everybody. We're back uh, for part two of Don't Limit God by Andrew Womack. Uh, so Don't Limit God by Andrew Womack. Andrew Womack is a uh, speaker teacher from uh, uh, Wooden, Hill, Wooden Park, excuse me, Colorado. Uh, we like him uh, very well. Uh, Sherry and I both went to Karen's uh, um, Bible College. We graduated in 2016. So we're doing this from our home. Uh, Don't Limit God part two. Uh, that was Bella, you just saw it a minute ago, and uh, you might see her from time to time, and here's my wife Sherry, and welcome, if you are online, just uh, feel free to comment anytime, ask a question, have a prayer request, uh, say hello, we can see who, where everyone's coming from, uh, we had last, last week we had about 60 viewers from all over the world, uh, so I'm local here in our backyard here, and we have people from Dominican Republic, uh, Belgium. Uh, we had all people from all over the world. So anyway, if you're watching, feel free to to comment, ask a question. We want this to be somewhat of a dialogue. Uh, but at the same point in time, uh, last week's, if you missed our last week's Bible study, we have it on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. Uh, we have last week's and we have uh, all our messages, but not even oh, follow us there. But anyway, we're going to get started here in just a second once Sherry's ready to go. Um, Everything going okay? I'm not following you at okay. all. So I don't know if we need to restart. He is on Facebook. There we are. There you go. We found, we found, I, we found ourselves. So, <laughs> hey. hey. Uh, well, there we go. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Dave. Uh, good Hi, to hear from you. So we have Nancy with us on the phone. Uh, and so anyway. So we're going to get started here. We're, uh, I think we're still, I uh, haven't finished chapter one. So if you have a book. And I have an extra book uh, on the shelf, right shelf, uh, second shelf down, Don't Let a God, it's towards the right side, uh, actually no, uh, right, yeah, there you go, okay, there you go. So it should be chapter two, if you have a book, uh, we should be in chapter two, we didn't quite, I know, excuse me, I'm saying that wrong, we didn't finish chapter one, so... If you have a book, um, I don't have a book with me, I have a study guide. We're going to be under uh, chapter 1, and under the section heading, you aren't smart enough to do it on your own, uh, towards the end of the chapter. Amen. So, that should be the last section. We got three quarters of the way done, but we didn't quite finish the chapter. So, um, anyway, you ready, Sherry? I'm ready. So, Sherry's going to read it, for, she's going to narrate for us, and then we'll talk, Okay. All right, it's good. The title is, You Aren't Smart Enough to Do It on Your Own. <laughs> For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. 1 Corinthians 1.26. That's me. I qualify. You cannot point to my ministry and say its success is because of my great talents or abilities. I am not doing anything that I can do on my own. Everything that's being accomplished is because of God working through me. My mother died in 2009 when she was 96 years old. Right before she died, she asked me how the ministry was doing. I told her about all of the awesome things God was doing in America and overseas. She looked at me and pointing her bony little finger at me said, Andy, you know it's God. I said, yes, ma'am, I know it's God. She said, you aren't smart enough to do that. I said, guilty, amen, it's true. 
If you can say that you've achieved everything by your own ability, strength, or power, then you have not yet tapped into God's will for your life. God will ask you to do something bigger than yourself, something that requires more than your own ability. All of us have missed God at some point in our lives. We're not hitting on every single cylinder. None of us are believing God as we should or doing everything we are supposed to be doing. God is big, limitless, and infinite. He wants us to believe for big things, yet most of us only believe for small things. When God spoke to me in 2002, he told me that I was limiting him just like the Israelites who turned back in their hearts and limited the Holy One of Israel, Psalm 78:41. I honestly had no idea I was, limit I was limiting God. Prior to him speaking to me, I had been in ministry for 34 years and seen many incredible things happen. I've seen miracles, including people being raised from the dead. I have even seen my own son raised from the dead. He'd been dead for five hours, yet he had no brain damage. Well, at least no more than before. If you believe that God is sovereign and can do whatever he wants, then you might just have to tear Psalm 78 from your Bible. That psalm says the Israelites limited God. God wanted to do more than they would let him do. God wanted to bring them into the promised land. And he wanted to do it in one year, not 40. But the Israelites sent spies out who said there were giants in the land. They refused to go and therefore delayed God's will for that nation for 40 years. They limited God. We don't have to go beyond the children of Israel to see that we can limit God. God did not want the Israelites to spend 40 years in the wilderness. Yet they limited him because of their fear of man. We can apply the same principle to other areas of our lives, such as healing. According to 3 John 2, God does not want us sick, yet we often limit God in how he can heal us. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Deuteronomy 34, 7. Moses was strong and had perfect eyesight when he was 120 years old. If God will do that for a person in the Old Covenant, just imagine how much more he will do for us who are under the New Covenant. We limit God when we think, I'm over 40, so this is just normal. Things are supposed to start going wrong in my body, and my eyesight is supposed to start going dim. We compare ourselves with others, 2 Corinthians 10:12, and say, this is the way it's supposed to be. But we need to look at the Word of God and believe that we can be strong like Moses and have good eyesight. We limit God by thinking that things have to be a certain way simply because others are experiencing. If thou shalt say in thine heart, These nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them? Deuteronomy 7.17 This verse is exactly what I was saying when God told me I was limiting him. The Israelites limited God by saying that the other nations were mightier than they were. God promised them absolute victory, but they wavered and began to doubt his promise. When they did that, they limited God and he couldn't drive out the nations. Hebrews 4.2
Well, so if you're watching, uh, maybe you just came on, we're, we're uh, studying Andrew's book, Don't Limit God, by Andrew Womack, and so that's what we're studying, we're in uh, chapter one, we just finished chapter one and reading it, uh, we started last week at this time, anyway, uh, so uh, off the bat, I don't know if uh, anyone has any questions or whatnot, if you have any questions, feel free to put it on the comments, or whatnot, or if you have any comments, questions, or whatnot, uh, I just love this topic. I don't know about any of you, but I know I've limited God. And I've limited God. And there's been times almost every day I feel like I'm almost limiting God. And it starts with my thinking. Uh, you know, there's several things that uh, Andrew's brought out here. You know, uh, I mean, just going back to his key verse for this whole book, uh, Psalm 78 verse 41 says, uh, sorry, I'm trying to find it again. Um, actually, let me just turn to it real quick. Uh, do you have any comments or thoughts, Sherry, where I'm looking this up? No, I, I, I laugh at Andrew being so so blunt because when Dave and I uh, got into our 40s, um, we, we both started to have a little physical things here and there. And I remember for the longest time thinking, oh, we're over 40. Oh, it's natural. And then all of a sudden... Something in me, because of the Word of God that I've been chewing on and chewing on and chewing on, I was like, no, uh-uh, this isn't right. You know, I, I've, uh, talking about eyesight, like, like with Moses and what Andrew's bringing out, I had great eyesight, and then I started, you know, a little bit blurry here or there, and I was like, no, God blessed me with good eyesight. I'm seeing Moses living to 120 with good eyesight. I'm like, no. And um, one of our uh, instructors, I think it was, at, at Karis, had given a, a testimony of how they had been driving on the road and, and the street signs were starting to get a little blurry. And, and they, it was like almost the same testimony as me. They're like, no, I refuse that. And they commanded their eyes to get better. And by the end of their drive, their eyes were fine. And... And I remember thinking, wait, did you just copy what I went through? Because, like, did you read my mind? Because I was like, no, God blessed us with health. Jesus went to the cross for us. I should not be dealing with this. We have a friend in the hospital. He should not be dealing with that. We have loved ones, parents going through things. And no, absolutely not. God's word is above all of this. He honors his word above his name. So if God's word says, I've done this for you, why are we refusing that? Again, that verse is in Psalm 78, verse 41, which this whole book is, about, is based on. Uh, and Andrew's, uh, I mean, uh, the psalm says this, Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Again and again. I mean, uh, I mean, it reminds me also, too, of the disciples who, again and again, uh, Jesus corrected them because of their lack of faith and, and whatnot. And yet we're the same way, you know. Uh, I think it's in James where it says anything that's not of faith is sin. You know, uh, I think one of the main things of the Bible is that we're trusting God. We're trusting God as our source, as our healer, as our provider. He's our best friend. He's our, he's our good, good father, you know. And where we get in trouble is when we get our eyes off the flesh, when we get our eyes on ourselves, when we get our eyes on the circumstances, the storm, when we get our eyes on other people. Uh, you know, people will fail us. 
Uh, uh, we'll fail ourselves, but God will never fail. He's faithful. And, uh, you know, we limit God when we don't trust him. We don't. We limit God when, I mean, some of these other scriptures, I mean, I think there was the last scripture that we read from Deuteronomy 7.17, If thou shalt say in thy heart, these nations are more than I, and how I, can I dispose of them? You know, we don't have to look at the circumstances. We don't have to look at this coronavirus and think it's bigger than us. Some of us may have been on furlough or laid off work or whatever the case may be. We don't have to look at our pocketbook and think that these, these giants, these mountains, these nations are bigger than I. We have a big God. We have an awesome God. We are in Christ. There's over 300 scriptures that says who we are in Christ. And we have Christ in us, the host of glory. I was preaching this morning how uh, of his fullness we have received from grace to grace. Uh, we, have, we have an awesome God. We're, self, we're celebrating today resurrection the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have the fullness of God uh, in us. Uh, he, because He lives, we live. Because He's alive, we live. We had a Bible study here in our home last night, you know, just talking about um, uh, and from Ephesians chapter 1, that Paul prays that, he prays that the, the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of His calling. That we would, we would have this, uh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we would experience the same power to raise, raise Christ from the dead. How God has put all things underneath His feet, His church. And so, we, we have an awesome God. And when we think the circumstance, when we think the illness, when we think something else is bigger than our God, we limit God. We limit God. And it actually it says we tempt Him. You know, I don't want to limit God. I believe I am who God says I am, and I can do what God says I can do. And I, I want to believe God. I want to believe God for more. Uh, I was reading this morning, too, uh, Easter morning, Easter service, but it was also reading from the Christmas story, you know, unto us this child is born, unto us a son is given, and of the increase of his government and peace uh, there shall be no end. This child, this Jesus we have received, his government, his kingdom should be increasing. And his kingdom, Paul says in Romans ten seventeen, is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Despite what's going on in our world right now, the, the kingdom of God is not here or there, it's within us. And as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and his kingdom that is within us, and, and it says in Luke that it's to my Father's pleasure to give you the, the, the kingdom, the kingdom of God is peace, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, our peace and our joy is not dependent on the circumstances we're going through. It's dependent on the Spirit of God. Uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, good, uh, goodness, kindness, etc., uh, it says in Galatians 5.16, as we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So as we walk with God, if we walk in the Spirit, we have a relationship with God. That whole walking in the Spirit talks about a relationship with God. Whenever I see that phrase, walk in the Spirit, walking with God, I think of Adam walking with God in the, in the cool, the cool of, the, uh, of the garden. That's what I see, a relationship, because that's what we're promoting here. We're not promoting religion, we're promoting a relationship with God. That's real, that's authentic. And he's our God. He's, he's, he's our king. He's our God. He's our Abba. He's, he's within us. And when we don't trust him, when we don't rely on him, when he's not our dominant thought, when he's not, we limit him. And, and even as Andrew's mom, and we're, we're studying from Don't Limit God from Andrew Womack, uh, mom, his mom pointed his finger and said, Andrew, you're not smart enough to do this. 
And there's a lot of things I can say about my, my own life. I'm not smart enough to do the things we're doing as a pastor. I'm getting ready to, uh, to start my own military public. I'm not smart enough to do some of these things. I've studied. I've done my homework. But I, I, you know, I want the grace of God in my life. Like it was in Joseph's life. As it was in David's life. As it was in, in Daniel's life. And others. Ruth. Esther. And the list goes on and on. But, you know, uh, I don't want to depend on my flesh. I want to depend on God. You know, uh, this this always re reminds me, uh, anytime we study this, is Jeremiah 17. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. And if you're watching online, we're, wa we're studying Don't Limit God. This is part two. Uh, feel free to make a comment. Feel free to ask a question. Even have a prayer request. We'll pray for some things later on. Um, and so... Um, uh, feel free. Let us know where you where you are, where you're coming from. Uh, last week we had 60 people uh, from all over the world. But anyway, Jeremiah 17 verses 5 through 8 says, "Thus says the Lord: Curses the man who trusts in the man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited." Verse 7. Blessed is a man whose trust is the Lord, and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when he comes. But its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. And there's a lot here in Jeremiah 17, but Jeremiah 17, God's comparing a blessed man with a cursed man. The blessed man is trusting God. And the cursed man is trusting the flesh. The flesh could be himself, the flesh could be other people, or both. But we're either trusting God or we're trusting flesh. And if we're trusting God, we're blessed. If we're trusting ourselves or our flesh, we're cursed, according to the Word of God. But when I read this, and I didn't read it from the King James, but when I read it from the King James, it says that the blessed man, I mean the cursed man, doesn't see the good when it comes. And the King James says that the blessed man doesn't see the heat when it comes. So when I teach this, so usually when I teach this, I teach that both the blessed man and the cursed man have a blind spot. The, uh, what I mean by that? Well, a blind spot, if, you're, if you know a blind spot when driving, if it's a blind intersection, you can't see around the corner. You can't see other, it's a blind intersection, you're blinded. Or when you're driving and someone drives right by you outside of the, the view of your mirrors, they're driving in your blind spot. So you have to turn to actually see if a car is coming. It's a blind spot. But uh, the blessed man, cursed man, have a blind spot in this sense. With the, let's go with the cursed man first. He doesn't see the good when it comes. The good is coming to the cursed man, but he doesn't see it. Why doesn't he see it? Because he's not focused on God. He's focused on the prophet. He's focused on flesh for his strength. Uh, he, and he, he's just dwelling in a, in a parched place. He's just, he just existing. I don't want to just exist. I want to flourish. I want to be planted by the Lord. I want to, to increase and see God's blessing in my life. Um, but he doesn't see the good when it comes. It's there, but he doesn't focus on it. He doesn't see it. He doesn't recognize it. He doesn't have a revelation of it, as we were even studying in our Bible study last night, that we have the Spirit... Of wisdom and revelation. We need to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation of knowing the things of God, of knowing the kingdom of God, of knowing of who we are in Christ. 
Uh, but let's go back to, uh, to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17 says that the curse, the blast man doesn't see the heat when it comes. The New King James, where I read from, that says, doesn't fit, uh, I said, let me find it again. Uh, excuse me. Uh, will, will not fear when the heat comes. But he doesn't see the heat come. See, when you read this, uh, verses 7 and 8 in Jeremiah 17, there's famine, there's a drought going on with the blessed man too. But he's not focused on the drought. He's not focused on the famine. He's focused on the Lord. His trust is the Lord. His source is the Lord. And so it, it goes on. I mean, I love this. Uh, I'll read 8 again. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear, or will not see when the heat comes. But its leaf will be green. And I love this. And will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. That is a prosperous man to me. And there's still drought going on, just like with the cursed man. But he's not focused on the drought. He's focused on God. You know, it kind of reminds me of, of Israelites when they were in Goshen, when the plagues were happening in Egypt. It, they were blessed. You know, it also reminds me of when David brought the, the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, and it, it became unstable because they weren't transporting it correctly. That uh, his, one of his servants, one of his men, reached out and uh, uh, he died. That, that made David upset, so he put the Ark of the Covenant out of protest in Obed's house. You can read the story. I, I, don't, I was in either in Chronicles, Samuel, uh, one of those books. I, I don't remember the, the chapter reference right now. But he put it in Obed's house. And the scripture says, while the Ark of the Covenant was in Obed's house, his family was blessed. God's presence was there. I mean, his family was blessed financially, physically, every which way. Uh, wasn't because Obed was such uh, good stuff. God's presence was there. And, uh, you know, that's awesome. But we have God's presence. That's the old covenant. We're in the better covenant. And, and, and when we trust God, when we're, our focus is on God, our focus is on Jesus, not the storm, like when Peter was walking on the water, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We limit God when we focus on man, when we focus on the flesh, when we focus, when, when, when we see that there, even what we just read from Deuteronomy, that there's, the nations are greater than us. Let's put this in context. I'm not afraid of this coronavirus. I'm not afraid of finances. We've been in a place where we lost everything. We've been in a place where we've been sick before. But I, I, I don't believe in sickness. I, I, I haven't. Uh, been sick since 2009. I had something a few, uh, uh, several months ago that I thought it was something I ate. I don't know for sure, but either way, even if I just count that one time, I haven't been sick but one time in, in over 10 years. I don't believe in sickness. I believe in God. I believe that by His stripes I'm healed. And even if I get something, it ain't not staying. <laughs> uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm redeemed from the curse. Uh, I, I believe in Jesus. I'm not focused on the storm. I'm also not focused on my job, my paycheck, my income. Yes, we're pastors, but I'm not dependent on the offering plate. I'm dependent on God. And I don't want to limit God by not trusting Him. I want to trust Him. I want to take the limits of God. I believe He's my source. And I, and I don't have to be careful in the year of drought. I'm not saying we're not going to be wise and whatnot. I'm not saying live outside of our means. But I believe that God can increase our, our territory. He can increase the, 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 the work of our hands. He, you know, it says in Psalm 90, verse 17, Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. 
He will establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. God, it's God's beauty that establishes my hand. Not me. Not the government. Not anything else. And I'm not limiting God. Even in the season of quarantine. Even in the season of, of all that we're going on in our world. I'm not limited God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I, I also believe including myself, but some of us are, including myself at times, I'm living too far low to what God has for me. Well, there's much more that, that God has for us. We're the redeemed of the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know, uh, we are the redeemed of God. We are the children of God. We're born of God. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We are blessed and not cursed, the scripture says. And so, I don't want to limit God, and how do I limit God? I believe I limit God by putting my focus on myself. Last week we studied, we, were, we didn't read the whole chapter today because we started last week, but we limit God by sometimes what we're thinking. But sometimes we're thinking what we're thinking because we have influences. I talked about last week how, how you know, Jesus is our bread of life, and he's our daily bread. And, you know, you're not, faith comes from hearing the word of God. It doesn't hear from, faith doesn't come from hearing the news. Faith comes from hearing God. And I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not anti-news completely, but in this house, we don't listen to the news. I mean, I get enough headlines of, of what's going on. We just don't, it's not part of our diet. I might scroll through a few things or Google a few things once in a while, but we just don't, we don't, we don't feed on the bread of sorrows. We breed on the bread of life, Jesus. That's my dominant diet. You know, I said last week, but we can either uh, feed our faith and starve our fears, or we can feed our fears and starve our faith. And I, I want to feed my faith and starve my fears. My number diet, my number one influence that I'm receiving influence from is God. And when I'm that way, and when that's my diet, I'm also in return going to have influence on in others. I want my faith in God to be contagious. I want people to... to Follow me as I follow Christ. But if I'm not following Christ, don't follow me. But I want, I, I want, I want, I don't, anyway, I'm trying to say a lot of different things. But this, this teaching, this topic fires me up. Don't limit God. Dream big. And, and we also talked about this week, last week, that if, if the dream and desire that you have is something you can do, then you are limiting God. Because if it's something you can do, you can do it. I believe if, if it's something God has called you to do, it's going to be something that you are going to have to trust God. It, God. Noah had to trust God to build that boat. Abraham had to trust God to go to a place called there and have be the, 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 the father of many nations. David had to trust God. Dan, Daniel, excuse me, Daniel, Joseph, all these, Ruth, Esther, even Mary had to trust God. And, it, and usually when it's something God has called you to do, it's going to be something bigger than you. Don't limit God. Don't limit God besides your... I mean, right now we're all, all of us under quarantine. Don't limit God by the four walls. Pick up the phone. You, let God use you. Text people. Reach out to people. Go shopping for somebody. Uh, uh, you know, reach out to people. Maybe help pay someone's rent that can't pay it because they're on furlough. Don't limit God because your paycheck, your bank account's not your source. God's your source. And I mean, um, I, I, Jesus, 
uh, fed the multitudes and had 12 baskets left over, and he used a little boy's lunch. God, God used them, the widow's oil and collecting the uh, vessels from her neighbors to pay off her debts. Don't limit God. God can multiply the seed that you have to bless those in need. We're the people of God. Don't limit him. And I'm getting, I feel like I'm going on a lot of different rabbit trails, but it just, you know, when I just, especially when I read that last verse that we read from Deuteronomy, I'm trying to find my place here. I think, think I'm in the wrong chapter, uh, chapter one, but it, when it says, Thou shalt not say in thy heart, These nations are more than I, how can I dispose of them? Don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at your, your finances. Don't look at this whole the coronavirus and, the, and the, the side effects of all this and say, how are we going to get all through it? How are we going to get through this? You have God. How, stand still and see the salvation of your God. Be still and know that He is God. Uh, anyway, that's just a resounding thought I have in my mind. I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet for a minute. You have anything to share, Sherry? I do. It's just uh, an exciting. Um, it seems like God always puts everything together. Dave's new uh, Sunday morning series about being established in his peace, plus the Bible study last night that Dave referred to that was a personal Bible study. Um, it. I, I wish you could have been a, a fly on the wall and heard it and been encouraged. We were talking about just the the spirit of wisdom and, and knowledge that God's given us, plus the inheritance that he's given us, his saints. Um, that's in um, Ephesians, but we also, in Dave's messages, talked about in Second Peter, um, when it says that grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us, given, past tense, given yeah. to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. And it, it, just, it goes back to not limiting God in this message, this Sunday morning message on peace. It, we can, most of us probably quote Isaiah 26, 3, I think it is, um, by he will keep us in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on him. Just like that, that, uh, that scripture that Dave just read about the Christian and blessed. When our mind has stayed on Christ, when we're, we're just focused on the knowledge of him and who he is and who we are in him, Everything that limits are off God. God's provided it and given it to us, like I read in Second Peter. And we, we can do it. And, hey, let's all be honest. We've all struggled with limiting God and doubting him. But like Peter, hey, Lord, I've, I've toiled all night. I've caught nothing. I've been fishing all night. I've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will go out and do it. And then Peter had the greatest catch of his life because he, he said, nevertheless, at your word, Lord, I will do it. Let me just piggyback on that. You know, there, there's, a, 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 there's two times where, you know, it seems like every time Peter had a fish story, he didn't catch anything on his own, you know? And that, might, that kind of describes some of our lives as well. 
But whenever Jesus came into the boat, he always had the biggest fish story. He came home. I mean, I could just imagine Peter going back home to his wife. You'll never believe in sharing the big, I caught fish this big. You know, uh, it was, so, we, had, we caught so many fish, it, it sunk the boat. And it broke the nets. And his wife, I'm sure, like, yes, Peter, I'm sure. But anyway, uh, you know, that's just a little side joke. But there was, I think it's uh, John 21 where uh, Jesus uh, reconciles with Peter uh, after, the, after the resurrection. And uh, he, I think it was that one where he says, uh, launch your, your, your net on the other side of the boat. And, you know, some of us might have been fishing all night and we've got nothing. But Jesus wants to come into the boat of our lives and say, let down your nets for a catch. Put it on the other side of the boat and get ready. I don't know who this speaks to, but I just, I just feel not very strong. Maybe you've been, you've been fishing, but you haven't caught nothing. And you're like, Peter, I, I just keep coming out empty. But trust God. Amen. Trust God. Don't focus on the drought. Don't focus on the past. God wants to do a new thing in your life. Trust Him. Not me, not Andrew, not someone else. Trust God. Don't trust yourself. Trust God. And that's, that's the, the theme of it. You know, the, the title of this, the book is Don't Let Me God, but the title of this chapter is Wrong Beliefs. You know, uh, wrong thinking will get us to a point where we limit God. And, and we need to be thinking right. We need to believe right. We need to believe God. You know, I said this morning, I hear this from Lawson Purdue all the time. We're believers. We believe. So let's believe. Let's believe God. That's who we are. That's what we do. Excuse me. Let's believe God. Let's go forward to chapter 2. Uh, okay, just, go ahead. Just to interrupt... Just to remind everyone, um, we can see your comments and questions if you would like to ask something or have us repeat something. So, so please feel free to reach out. Um, and if you want prayer or further discussion, uh, please reach out. And you don't have to do it in the group forum. Um, if you prefer, you can reach out via Messenger, um, our website www.lighthousediscipleship.org uh, Please feel free. Um, we want open discussion. So, so, hey, if God's done something in your life and helped you not <coughs> limit Him, please, you know, we'd, we'd love to share it and encourage people. And even, you know, this is also recorded too, so if you're scrolling through later or you find it on our website later, uh, even if this is uh, uh, related, go ahead and ask a question anytime. Uh, I'm constantly checking to see if anyone has left a, a, a question or comment. Uh, so feel free to reach out anytime. So, okay? I'm going to also have uh, Sherry in a minute uh, typing our, our website. Uh, you can feel free to ask us a question, reach out to us. Maybe, maybe you have a prayer request that's more private. Uh, you just don't want to. Uh, feel free to reach out to us, contact us, uh, even call us or text us uh, your, your prayer request, and we'd be glad to, to minister to you. Okay? But we're going to go ahead and turn to chapter 2 of Don't Let Me God. And uh, we're getting, uh, it's also called um, uh, Wrong Beliefs as well. Uh, but anyway, go ahead and, and share and uh, pick it up right there. I think we're page 10 in the book. Right. Now book. unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, Ephesians 3.20. Many people use this verse to say that God is able to do something, but they miss the point. This verse doesn't just say that God is able to do exceedingly abundant 
Leah, above all they ask or think. It goes on to say, according to the power that worketh in us. According to means in proportion to or to the degree of the power that is working within. And just a side note, Dave likes to point out, especially in the in the King James when it says F at the end, like work F, it means it's a, a continually like ongoing process. It's not like a one-time deal finish. Work F I mean this power is a continual source in us that's working. If we don't have faith, and if we are not building ourselves up on our most holy faith, Jude 20, we limit the power of God that flows from us. We can stop the power of God in our lives. If we're not healed, it's not God who didn't heal us. It's us not releasing the power of God on the inside of us. God has to flow through us. When we say that God just sovereignly moved, we are saying that no person had anything to do with his moving. We are saying that God just sovereignly reached down from heaven and did something. That is not scriptural. God always uses people. God flows through people, but there are many ways that we can limit what God wants to do in our lives. God doesn't move in waves. If we look hard enough, we will find that somebody was praying, somebody was believing God, or somebody was actively involved in bringing about a move of God. There was the charismatic movement, the healing movement, the word of faith movement, yet we blame God as if he's the one who comes in waves and pours out his power, then retreats and lets a generation languish. That's not the way God operates. God wants every single person to walk in his fullness. God would pour out all of these movements at once if we would receive them that way. For instance, in the healing revival, the church had lost the truth of healing. There were some people, like Oral Roberts, who just pressed in. His testimony shows that it didn't come upon him. He pursued it. I remember Oral Roberts talking about the very first meeting he held. He was so sick and tired of seeing the powerlessness and the lack of healing in the body of Christ. He determined, I'm not going to live this way. Either the word is true and God does miracles today, or I'm going to quit serving God and quit playing the pastor game. He had to fight through unbelief and struggles, but when he began seeing miracles happen, he caught on fire and set others on fire too. That and other similar instances produced the healing movement. People started saying that God was moving in this healing movement. God wants to move in healing all the time, but most people won't pursue it the way those involved in those movements did. They broke through, they broke through in the area of healing and started seeing God's miraculous healing power. However, they didn't break through in other areas. It wasn't that God only wanted to pour out the healing movement. He would have poured out the word movement, the charismatic movement, the righteousness movement, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit movement all at one time if people would have received them that way. If we get sick and tired of being sick and tired and decide to start believing God, we will see things happen. We might be tempted to think God is doing a new thing, but no, God is doing the same thing he's wanted to do for 2,000 years. He didn't want the church to go through the dark ages. 
a time when the body of Christ perished for lack of knowledge, not wanting what the Word of God said. If we'll stop limiting him, he can do what he's always wanted. All right, thank you, Sherry. Uh, I like I like a lot of that. There's so many things. I started a couple of things as we go. As, uh, Sherry was reading here. Uh, let me start with the last one first, because that one's resounding in my heart. You know, uh, if we stop limiting God, God can do what He's always wanted to do. God has always wanted to move. Uh, Andrew's trying to betray here. Different movements have happened through the through the ages and through the years. Uh, God always wants to move. God always wants to save. He always wants to heal. He always wants to do miraculous. God always wants to operate in the supernatural. But we need to push through. We need to believe God. We need to trust God. Um, you know, I like how Andrew brings us out, you know, uh, especially with Oral Roberts. He had to push through. We had to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. We have to be sick and tired of being sick. We have to be sick and tired of being without. We have to be sick and tired of maybe losing our motivation, whatever the case may be. Maybe we need to be sick and tired of having a grudge and, and having a, 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 a quarrel with somebody. We just need to be sick and tired, and, 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 and like some of our Bible teachers said, we need to get our thumb out of our mouth, hold my big boy pants, and, and get over it. We need, to, we need to get along with people. We need, you know, I, I can go on different tangents with this, but we need to start believing God, and we need to trust God. And, you know, I love when that, uh, he was talking about Oral Roberts, and I, I remember having a very similar conversation with God in the 90s, but when Oral says, I'm not going to live this way, either the Word of God is true, and God does miracles today, or I'm going to quit serving God and play, quit playing the pastor game. This is not a game. This is not just a... A cliche. This is not just a religious or religiosity. Excuse me. This is real. And uh, God is real. His word is alive. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the God of miracles. He's the healer. He's the provider. He's an awesome God. And it's time for the church to wake up. And it's time. The Bible says we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We are the children of God. We, it says in Revelation 5, 9, and 10 that we were redeemed by His blood to be kings and priests in the earth. We are, we are destined to rule and reign to bring people to Jesus and, and, and heal the sick and set the captives free. You know, this was on my heart last night. It was on my heart this morning. It's on my heart now. I'm going to go to Isaiah chapter 61. Sherry, if you have anything, go ahead. I get there. No, doing good. Okay, Isaiah 61, we'll go verse 3. You know, I've been thinking during this whole time of quarantine, it's Jubilee. It's time, for, you know, we're, Jesus is our Jubilee. I don't have time to teach all that right now. But in Jubilee, they, they celebrate Jubilee every 50 years. But in the, in, the, in, the, in the Torah, in the law, every seven years was a Sabbath year. That means on every Sabbath year, they were not to work. They were not the, 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 the plant their seeds and, and harvest their fields. You were, were experiencing quarantine for a few weeks. Well, they, they didn't work, they weren't under quarantine, but they just, it was a Sabbath year. It was a whole year off. Yay. You know, they, God promised them that they, God, he, he would give them a double harvest in the, in the sixth year to see them through the eighth year. And, and, and you continue to read this, I believe this is in Leviticus chapter 26, or 25, 26, 27. I forget the reference right now. 
But then, uh, but after every seven cycles of seven years, 49 years, it would be Jubilee, the 50th year. Now, the, the 49th year was a Sabbath year, but so was the 50th year. The, the Jubilee year was also treated like a Sabbath. So it was a two-year uh, vacation with not, no harvesting, no, no sowing. God promised them a triple harvest in the 48th year that would see them through the 51st year. And so they... They had a, they had a, uh, you know, a, a triple harvest and jubilee. But what was jubilee? Jubilee meant that at the sound of the trumpet on the day of atonement, every debt was canceled, every prisoner was set free, and every, every, everything was pardoned. Now you got to understand the culture. Sometimes when a family went into debt. Because they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't pay the bill. Sometimes the father had to, to thank you. The father had to uh, um, be a servant uh, to pay the bill, so his family would not be, would not lose everything. So he had become a slave. Sometimes, in a severe case, the wife also had to become a slave, so the family would survive. In extreme cases, the children themselves had to become servants, so they would survive. But on the day of Jubilee, everybody was returned to their family. Everybody, every debt was paid. And you can imagine, it says in Isaiah, I mean Psalm 89, how beautiful, uh, um, blessed are those who know the joyful sound. He's talking about Jubilee. And, you know, this whole quarantine has reminded me, you know, especially when we get out of this quarantine, it's going to be Jubilee. I understand some people are fretting the, the, the economic stuff. But God is our source. And I'm trusting God. But, but uh, anyway, I, uh, Isaiah 61, to me, this is Jubilee language. And it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And each of us can make this personal. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's Jubilee. In the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Amen. That they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Verse 4. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. And they shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. It goes on to say in verse 7, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they will rejoice in their portion. Therefore in the land they shall possess double and everlasting joy shall be theirs. There's so much here. I don't have time to, to piggyback on every, every phrase and, and line here. But that's awesome. And the Spirit of God is upon me, upon Sherry, upon all who are listening, upon you. And he has anointed us to go and set the captives free. He has anointed us to rebuild the rooms. He has anointed us to, to bring comfort to people. To console people. To give them beauty for ashes. It's a high calling. Paul talks about this. That we would know our, the, our, the hope of our calling. 
He says in Ephesians 4.1 that we would know our calling. And, and, and we would, we have a calling as a people of God. I see it, I don't, I know I'm a pastor, but it says in 2 Corinthians 3.6 that we're all able ministers of the new covenant. My job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. My part is not to do the ministry. My part is to equip people to do the ministry. That doesn't mean I don't do ministry too, but my point is I, it, I'm not more special than anyone else. I just have a different gifting than some people. And what my gifting is to help equip you to do what God has called you to do, whatever that may be. And that's why we have the body of Christ. We're, we're all the able ministers, like Dave said, but you might reach people that I can't and vice versa. You might have a gifting in the area that's needed in a certain uh, circumstance and situation, and maybe me in a different. You know, I... I, I've been a caregiver for, for years, and I can go in a home and just be in that zone, and D Dave's like a fish out of water. He, you know, he doesn't know, you know, you should do this, that, or the other thing, but in a different situation, I'm like, go for it, Dave, because I feel like you have wisdom or the gifting in that area. You know, we've had Bible studies in the past where people needed ministering, and some of the other people started ministering to the to the person who needed encouragement. And then they're like, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Sorry, Pastor. You should be the one doing it. And we're like, no, you're doing awesome. You're you're meeting that need and encouraging. You know, and that, that brings us back to the first part of this chapter. You know, it says that now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power that is working you. God's power is working in you just as much as His power is working in me. And God works according to His power. Andrew says here that God flows through people. But there are many ways that we can limit what God wants to do in our life. God always flows through people. God wants to use you. God wants to use me. God wants to use us. You know, uh, God, we're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. He's already done the work on the cross. He's already filled us with His Spirit. It's time we've been limiting God because we're trusting flesh. And we're, sometimes we're waiting on God, what God has told us to do. He told us to go heal the sick. He told us to go raise the dead. He told us to go cast out demons. Freely we receive, freely we give. It says that in Matthew 10 and Luke also in Luke 10. When God commissioned the 12, when God commissioned the 70, when God commissioned the church in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them. We need to teach. We need to make disciples. We all have a job to do. We all can minister to people. And as Sherry was sharing, there's people you can minister to. I can't because, one, I don't know them. You do. <laughs> and there's, there's some people I can't reach because... They need a lady to reach them. I'm not a lady. I can look cute. I can sound cute, but I'm not. I'm not that cute. You know, not in that way anyway. It's just, uh, you know, uh, some people are just. I'm, they're just not going to connect with me, and and vice versa. You know, there's some people you might try to minister to. You're not going to do so well because God, I have a connection with them. You don't. <coughs> and it's not. You know, there was something that we read earlier in this. I think it was in the last section we read, but. It, Paul talks about it, those who compare themselves among themselves is not wise. This is not a this, this is not a game. This is not a competition. We are the body of Christ, and we need every member of the body. 
And especially in the day that we live in. And especially in this hour. We, the I mean, I, know, I realize some church buildings are closed, but the, the church is not closed. We've been trained for this day. We've been equipped for this day. We've been empowered for this day. We've been equipped. We've been inspired. We've been We've been saved for this day. God, this is our light shines brighter in darkness. The church shines brighter in seasons like this. People are more open. Uh, some people are not. I get that. And we're not going to reach everyone. I'm not going to reach everyone. Andrew's not going to reach everyone. Jesus didn't couldn't reach everyone because not everyone believed. But the, but there are plenty of people. The harvest is ripe. And I know there's a lot of things coming on the earth. Paul, Jesus, all of them prophesied it would. But they also prophesied of a great revival. And revival starts in the church. Revival starts us. And especially in the day we live in. We don't need to limit God. There's so many ways we can minister. We don't even need to be, we don't even need to touch you to lay hands on you to, for you to be healed. You can be held, held to the, the radio waves. We're not the source. Jesus is the source. Jesus has already paid for your sins. He always, he's already been, he was already, by his stripes, you are healed. He was already stripped for 2,000 years ago. It's not dependent on me. It's dependent on believing in Jesus. And, uh, you know, with technology, today, we don't need to uh, be there physically. There's something very powerful, something very uh, anointed about coming together physically, being together. But I understand sometimes we can't, not just because of a quarantine, not just because of, of that. But sometimes, you know, some of you are listening from different countries. I can't reach you in India and Africa. I'm not there. I'm here, you know. But by the Spirit of God, I can minister to you where I'm at. But I can hopefully minister to you. You go to your towns and villages and families and people and preach the gospel. And so, anyway, hopefully I'm making sense with that. Don't limit God. God is awesome. Anything? So, how are we doing on time? We're doing good. We still have a half an hour. So, we've got a half hour. We'll wrap this up about 7.30. Uh, this is Pacific Standard Time. So, if you don't have anything, I think I covered all my things. Let's go ahead and read the next session. Life is not a dress rehearsal. I like that. Okay. Okay. God wants to move and bring you into your promised land. God wants to do things in your life that will cause you to wake up every day <coughs> saying, God, this is absolutely awesome. You are awesome. What a privilege to be a part of what you are doing. God wants everyone to live this way. Yet most just wake up and say, Oh, great. It's morning. I wish I could go back to bed. It's, it's Monday. I have to go to work. Or they'll go into work and say, TGIF. One day I walked through our break room and heard one of our employees say TGIF, so I asked him what that meant. He said, thank God it's Friday. I asked him, what was so good about Fridays? He said, it's the last day of the work week, and I'm off tomorrow. I don't have to come to work. I asked him, do you not like working here? I can fix it so you don't have to work here. He said, oh no, I like working here. I just really enjoy my weekend. I said, well, you know what? There's a hundred people who would like your job. If you don't like working here, I could just fix it every day so it could be Friday for you. So every day could be Friday for you. Boy, did he ever start backpedaling. 
Of course I was just kidding him, but you know, if you're not excited about getting up on Monday and going to work, or if you get excited on Friday because you don't have to work the next two days, you haven't found God's will for your life. This is one of the ways you limit God in your life. If you're working some dead-end job because you need a pension or job security, then you're missing God. Life is not a dress rehearsal. It's the real thing. If you aren't doing something with your life that winds you up and fulfills you, something that makes you think, what a blessing of God this is on my life, then you have wasted a day of your life. God has a purpose for you, and when you find it, you will be fulfilled. God didn't call everyone to be on television or to stand in front of people like he, he did me, but he did make everyone special and call them to do something that would fill their lives with joy and peace. If you aren't there, you are wasting your time. Some of you are praying for your life to be different and you have no joy. You're depressed because you aren't doing what God called you to do. God is pulling you in one direction, but you are going another way because that's what everyone in your family has done for generations. You're afraid that if you turn your life over to God, he might send you to Africa, so you follow logic instead of God. But you won't find joy and fulfillment because you're not doing what God called you to do. So someone asked me before what success, and I believe success is being in the center of God's will. There is nothing more fulfilling than doing what God's called you to do. And whatever that looks like. You know, if God's called you to be a stay-home mom and you feel fulfilled in that, then be blessed in it. Be blessed in it. Whatever God's called you to do. And I'm just giving that example. Whatever your vocation, whatever it is, and I'm not to talk about vocation. It's funny to be talking about that in a time like now, right, like right now when some of us are in quarantine. But if what you're doing with your life is not fulfilling to you, then, then I would venture to say that perhaps you're limiting God. You know, I understand at the same point in time, I also understand sometimes some jobs can be stepping stones to get to where we need to go. The job I had before I'm doing now, I didn't like it, but I enjoyed it because I knew it was getting me to where I'm at now. And so I, I found joy in it every day. Uh, there was something we read just a minute ago just about joy. Oh, actually, I think we just read about it. It says, some of you are praying for your life to be different and you have no joy. You know, I'm going to be preaching on joy in a couple weeks, the spirit of joy. I feel, I feel very need to, to do that, uh, especially in the season we're in. I'm teaching on peace right now. But I want to talk on joy very soon here. You know, we need some joy in the house of God. We need some joy resounding from the people of God. You know, blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. And, you know, some in some places, in some circles, I'm not seeing the joy. You know, uh, there's other scriptures that talk about joy is contentment. If you're not content, you're not going to be joyful. And I can be content in God. Paul talked about how he's learned to be a base and he's learned to be with plenty. You know, we can find joy. Going back to Jeremiah 17, which we read earlier, we, the, the, the blessed man was joyful no matter what season he was in because his focus was on God. A lack of faith, a lack of trust in God will, will mean that you don't have joy. The fruit of the Spirit won't be there. Joy, peace, what not. If we peel back the onion, if we're honest with ourselves, and we, we, we understand faith, we won't have the fruit of the Spirit operating in our lives. Uh, you know, and I also like just to, you know, just when Andrew's going on and talking about, this is not a dress rehearsal. You know, this is not a practice. 
This is real life. God, God knew that you would be born in this generation. God knew that you would be born you know, in, a, in a time when we would have a coronavirus epidemic and everything would be quarantined. God knew that you would be born in this hour, in this generation, in this day. God has seasoned you for this time. Uh, maybe you don't feel seasoned. Maybe you haven't been uh, a good teaching. Well, you can, now some of you are quarantined. You have plenty of time to get in the Word of God. You have plenty of time to, to study. We have free Bible classes on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. I believe Sherry put the website on our uh, on the comments uh, down below. You know, there, there's plenty of time to get in the Word of God, and it doesn't have to take a long time. I believe being a disciple is a lifestyle. I don't believe sometimes you know it one day and you're just good the rest of your life. We're always learning. We're always growing. You know, how do I know we're always learning? We're always growing. Well, you're eating every day, aren't you? I mean, I know sometimes we fast and there's some of the things, but if you're eating, you're growing. One of the signs someone is dying on their deathbed is that they can't keep any food down anymore. They've lost their appetite. If you're not growing, you're dying. And that's the same thing spiritually. You know, and so we have to feed our faith. We can either feed our faith or feed our fears. And, uh, and if, we, if we're not walking in faith, we're not going to be walking in joy and contentment. Uh, we're going to be limiting God. This is not a dress rehearsal. I know Andrew was joking, and it's a funny story when he was talking to a staff member who was rejoicing this Friday. And Andrew had a funny conversation with him. Well, if, if, if you don't like this job, I can sure can arrange it that you don't have this job anymore. You know, and the guy began to backpedal and whatnot, because that's not what he was saying. Uh, I mean, everyone, even if they love their job, I understand that sometimes people always love having a vacation. People love having a, 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 you know, a breather. And, uh, 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 but uh, at the same point in time, if, if you're dreading Monday every week, you know, I don't dread Mondays. Actually, sometimes what I dread is my day off. I don't really have one anymore, so I don't, I don't really dread it so much. But uh, I, I, I love what I do. I love getting up every morning. I have a hard time getting up sometimes because I love sleeping in. I'm a night owl. I'm not an early bird. But that, that, that's not because I don't enjoy getting up. When I get up, I can't wait to get to work. I can't wait to do what I do. And uh, I work from home, so this quarantine is not affecting me in that way. Cause I, I, just, I get to do what I do every day as a pastor, and right now I'm training to, to be uh, a notary public. Excuse me. I have my certification, but I'm also working for other certifications. But anyway, that's besides the point. Go ahead, Sherry. But, but to piggyback on what, what Dave was talking about, about and Andrew, about jobs and, and purpose, you know, we have been with no purpose, and it's pretty much the, the worst thing in the world. Uh, we, we went through, some of you know our, our story um, of having a, a, a financial famine for five years where we had lost our job, our home, our, you know, our car, everything, and the worst thing about getting up every day was no purpose. I mean, yeah, you get up and, and go to work, and, and I'll piggyback on Dave said about sometimes you have a stepping stone job, but we we couldn't even get somewhere without borrowing a car. We couldn't give like we wanted to, like give to at, when we went to church. Uh, that, it was horrid. The only thing we knew how to get out of it, well, obviously the 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 natural 
we applied for jobs all over the place. Jobs, 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 jobs. But we, our, our, our focus, the, the blinders were on, we're going to trust God in this. We are so going to trust God in this. You know, the first job I got was at a computer repair shop. I know diddly squat about fixing computers. I don't know, well, I didn't at the time know what a modem was, this, that, the other. And I'm just like, this is a, a complete God job. And it was someone's word of mouth who told their best friend, I need help in the shop, who worked with my sister, who said my sister needs a job. And boom, I got a job and it helped us get back on our feet and you know what I, I learned stuff I don't I never touched the computers other than check them in I was I was at the front desk person um, I don't know if I had an exact title but it was to get us to where the next step was you know Dave talked about his job that he had before full-time pastoring he never once complained I would come home from my other jobs. Uh, by this time, I wasn't working with the computer shop, but I was um, doing caregiving again. And I would come home, and I'd be just like, oh, my gosh, Dave, what a horrible day. Complain, complain all over the place. Dave would come home, and he had some stuff, some stuff at work that was, he, he had all right to complain, but he never did. All I saw was a great attitude. And it wasn't until after that I found out he didn't like the job, but his focus, his attitude was, this is a stepping stone to where God wants me to be. And so God blessed him with that. I, I had a shift. Uh, it was an ongoing shift. I, 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 if, if I paid Dave every time I complained about that shift, he would be a multimillionaire. But instead, but instead of me doing what Dave did and not complain and trust God, I, I complained. But when Do Dave told me his story about, well, I didn't like my job, but, but God, you know, I trust God. And so I, I had to change my thinking and I had to stop limiting God and said, I blessed that shift. I went and changed my attitude saying, you know what, I'm going to be a blessing to that client. I'm going to do what I can to make this shift to, to be a ministry. And that joy came. And so I'm just encouraging you, if you're in a season where you're not having purpose or it's a job you don't want to be in or lack of a job, just use my own stinking thinking and get that thinking into, wait a minute, this is just for a season. God's going to get us through. God has been faithful all these years. You know, look at the Israelites. How many times were they told, build the pillar? This is to remind your kids of what God did for us. Yeah, there's a lot of different things, too. I mean, maybe maybe you're just not liking the season, this quarantine season. <laughs> you're, just, you're just going crazy. You're like cabin fever big time, you know. Uh, and uh, you just don't know when this is going to end. You know, find a way to redeem time. Find a way, you know, ask the Lord for direction. Maybe there's a different job shift. Maybe there's some training you can do right now. I'm doing some training right now. You know, I'm feeling busy. I'm feeling a little bit on the learning curve right now, learning some things. My notary job's not going to be my full-time job, but it is a supplement job. 
and it is a tent making job. Paul went in and out of tent making so he wouldn't be have so much pressure in the church. I mean, we don't talk about finances a lot in this life, but because of different things, we're seeing a, a, a decrease in some in some income. I'm not complaining about that. God's my source, not the people, not you guys. And I'm not trying to make this a, a pitch, a sales pitch, but we're not seeing the offerings coming as much, you know. Um, I'm not complaining about that. God's not my source. We're still seeing it. Don't get me wrong. We're seeing God is our source. I mean, I'm sorry. I said that wrong. God is our source. People are not our source. So often place not my source. You're not my source, you know. Uh, we're, uh, but, uh, you know, we're not, we're not complaining about that, but, but we still have faithful and people who are giving, and I'm not saying some people are not giving because they're not faithful. I don't know their situation. I don't know their story right now, you know, uh, but they're not my source. God's my source. But at the same point in time, uh, God doesn't just have one avenue where he can bring income. Paul brought in money in, you know, he sometimes had to tent make so he wouldn't put pressure on the ministry so he can continue doing what God's called him to do. Actually, Paul only had one church. Out of all the churches that he planted, only had one church that supported him, and that was the Philippi church. And God, and Paul, and especially in Philippians chapter 4, speaks of towards that. And that's where he says, My God shall supply all my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He didn't say that to the other churches. He said that to the Philippi church. I'm not saying that blessing can't be for us because all the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. But at the same point in time, uh, he was saying that to the church that supported him and uh, that partnered with him. And I'm not talking about partnership right now. I'm not where I'm going at. My, my point is, don't limit God. That God has a, more than one way to get you a source of income. Maybe there's something else you can do right now. And maybe, you know, there was times in that, that season where we had no job. Maybe I can't find someone to work for me, but I can find somewhere where I can volunteer. I know that, I mean, no, right now that's even limited where you can even volunteer. But you can find something. Find a craft. Find something to do. More than just cleaning projects. Some of you have cleaned your garage 20 times. You can't clean it anymore. You know, some of you still haven't got the motivation to clean your garage. Uh, despite all that's going on. <laughs> you know, and I'm not speaking towards garages, I, I will not, but I'm just talking to those who are going crazy. Nancy's kind of yeah. commenting to Go ahead, to that. Nancy. <laughs> um, we, we, <laughs> hey, I'll come over. We, we have a family. Sorry, sorry for those who might not be able to hear online. We have someone on the the phone listening in, um, and so we're it's a it's a little joke about the the garage. Um, but to piggyback on, on all of this, we have a family member who who's had a job for years, and it, it's it's not their cup of tea at the moment, and so they they've taken this season of time to to soul search and seek the Lord. And they're coming up with a creative way to to bring income in and to maybe switch jobs um, using this season as a as a prep time. Uh, we we knew someone. Um, this was uh, years ago, so uh, the the details are, are. I'll just be brief on. They had medical bills that were just outrageous, and. They were like, okay, well, well, God help, you know, where's all this money coming from? But there, there's different scriptures about God giving us the ability to get wealth or giving us the the, the skills and the 
uh, imagination and they use their gifting in the area of crafts and making jewelry and that created so much income that it covered the hospital bills so you know God is so faithful he will so work with you wherever you are if you're a stay-at-home mom he's gonna help you be the best stay-at-home mom ever if you're say a pastor like Dave or a caregiver like me or retire however it is God will so use you you know we, we have um, an, an uncle that that's a, a pastor or retired pastor we can't tell you how many times we have used the testimony of him speaking into our lives just by observing him and just following him in his ministry that helped us be the pastors we are today you know, he, he just, he had that pastor's heart and, and he served. And thank you, Uncle Steve. I mean, we just, you, you blessed us, but you used the giftings that God put in you and, and you're still doing it. And, um, you know, we, God's not done with any of us. You know, today we're celebrating my dad's 79th birthday, you know, and, and in light of that, you know, as he's approaching the 80 mark, you know, I'm thinking of Caleb and Joshua when Caleb said, I feel stronger at 80 than I did at 40. You know, I don't see age. I see maturity. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, we even read about it where Moses looked to be 120 and his, his eyes did not obey him. You know, um, also, you know, it says in uh, Psalm 103 verse 5 that he renews our youth like the eagles. Maybe you're discouraged because of your, how, your age. God's not done with you. Maybe you have had broken dreams or lost dreams. It's time to dream again. God's not done with you. Don't limit God. Don't limit God by your age, your gender. Uh, um, you know, some of us think that we're just born on the wrong side of the tracks. Well, we were all were born in sin. You know, whatever the case may be. God, God doesn't have anyone qualified working for Him yet, called Andrew. You know, God... Uh, God doesn't use the, 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 always the brightest knife in the jaw, the, the, the brightest crayon in the crayon box. God uses the foolish things of this world and from, the, from a natural perspective. But God doesn't, God didn't, at the same point in time, God doesn't create junk. And God has not recreated junk. You are a jewel. You are a treasure in the eyes of God. And God wants to use you. God wants to, 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 to do wonders in your life in this season, in this day, in this hour, in these end times that we're, gonna, we're being ushered into. Whatever tomorrow holds, uh, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. And so uh, we're talking about don't limit God. This is not a dress rehearsal. And if you've got a stinking attitude, it's time to, to seek God. And get your focus from God, on God, and let Him birth a desire. We have a verse on the wall here. Sherry just shared some of the struggle we have between 2009 2013 when we lost everything. And when she got that job at the computer shop. And then, then uh, we, uh, it was during that time where, where we, were going to, we started going to Karis Bible College. And God gave us this verse just before we started this church. Just before we start this ministry, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to Him, and this is the way we heard it. Commit your way to Him, and He, and, and sorry, commit your way to Him with those desires. 
Trust also in Him with those desires, and He, not you, will bring those desires to pass. And we've held up to, that's, that's been the scripture by we built this whole ministry. Where we started all this without a dime to our name, and now God has blessed us. And even during this time of, 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 of quarantine, uh, we're like the, the uh, in Jeremiah 17, verse 8, where we are not careful in the year of drought, because God is our source. I'm not we're saying we're not being wise, but we're not, we don't have to be stingy. We, God is our source. And uh, delight yourself in the Lord. Trust God. Put your focus on God. Worship God. Seek the Lord. And He will conceive in you the desire. If, a lot of times when I'm counseling and ministering to people, they don't go, I don't even know what my desires are. I go, if, you have, if, if money was not an issue, and you had no restraints whatsoever because of parenting or whatever the case may be, but you had no restraints whatsoever, economic, physical, financial, uh, whatever the case may be, what would you do? What would, what would be your dream job? What would be your dream vocation or hobby or, or, or ministry? What would it look like? And then as you get desire, commit your way to Him. Trust Him, and He will bring that desire to pass. And some of you are, are still at the delight phase. Just focus during this time of quarantine. Focus on delighting God. Get into the bubble. Get into the prayer closet. Get with God and spend time with God in this time and let Him. Maybe it's a new dream. Maybe it's a, the same dream, but it's just revived. Let Him birth in you a desire. Uh, don't limit Him. Uh, maybe some of you, you know what a desire is, but you, it's just, it just on hold. I mean, it's like the old phones that we grew up with. You're on hold. You know, I say the old phones because a lot of times we have phones we have now, but sometimes I'm still on hold. Like, I'll call a business, and especially right now with limited staffing, and they're working remotely from home, I'm on hold, and I'm, I'm listening to that elevator music for an hour or so. You know, sometimes we feel like we're on God's on hold button. You know, like, when's my payday? When's my ship going to come in? You know, but uh, but as you as you know what the desire is, and God's reviving and re birthing in you a desire, commit your way to Him, trust in Him, and He will bring it to pass. When God put a desire in us to go to Bible school, to get back into ministry, we were out of ministry for different reasons. Some of that financial, but it was some other reasons still. And uh, anyway, we we were getting back in ministry, and God told us to go back to Bible school. Now this was a time when we had no money. And God told us not go part-time, but full-time. And not just me, but both of us. Two full-time tuitions. When we had no money. I didn't even have a job yet. And so we took the little money Sherry had gotten from this computer job that she didn't even feel qualified for. But she got it. And, and uh, within an hour of registering for a Bible school, Karis Bible College, for the, within an hour of doing that, one hour, of trust, that was my way of committing my way to Him, trusting Him. Within one hour, I got a job, and I have not been unemployed since. And now I am pastoring. I've been pastoring full time since 2000, October 2016. So we're four years, almost four years now. And then, uh, 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 now I'm getting a, a second uh, business thing that I'm going to be doing with Notary Public, and I'm getting ready to get that off the ground here pretty soon. And so. But we're doing good. We're, I mean, we still have to trust God. We still have to trust Him. You know, we can't get cocky in this. 
Uh, but at the same point in time, we're trusting Him. But He's our source. We have some challenges. Even though things are good, we have some challenges because of, again, a lot of this quarantine. And there's been a domino effect with some, some of the, the avenues of income. But uh, one of those avenues of income, someone reached out, are you guys doing okay? Because they didn't have, they're, they're not sure they have the money to pay us. And we're like, you know what, God's our source. We're okay. Uh, you know, uh, that doesn't mean Sherry doesn't have to keep taking hours and different things. And doesn't, sometimes we have to do things we might not necessarily want to do. But uh, we're okay because when we do it with joy, because God's our source. And we're not going to limit God. We're not going to test the, the Holy One of Israel, as we just read from Psalm 78 a few minutes ago. Hopefully this is making sense. I don't know if I'm making sense with uh, anything I'm sharing today. But, uh, uh, you know, Sherry, you got some burning? Yeah, and, you know, I, I Dave always teases me because I always catch on the weirdest things, um, whether I see something or I, I hear something. Um, but Dave made the comment that we have to trust in God. And I don't want anyone, including myself, to think that's the last resort. We have to. Like, oh my gosh, we're down to have to trust in God. No, that is not at all what we mean at all. When we have to, it's, it's, it's the first resort. It's a, it's a charge. It's the I get to. It's that, you know... After we got out of the, that five years of, of, of famine, um, we caught ourselves, oh my gosh, you know, our finances this week are, are, are down or are non-existent or whatever it might be. And we caught ourselves going back into that, that fear. And then one of us would be saying, wait a minute, no, God said that he would keep us out of that. And we'd get back into that, that trusting zone again get back into that that verse in, in uh, Jeremiah that, that Dave said the blessed man focuses on a God and, and trusting him and it it now we're at a place where um, when, when this this quarantine happened and, and my my hours went down and and different things people were like oh my gosh Sherry what are you gonna do and I'm just like trust God trust God I mean it, it's a joy I, I didn't even think, oh my gosh, what about my paycheck? Oh my gosh, we're going to, you know, we might, might have to just, you know, eat, you know, uh, a, a piece of bread and, and water. No, I didn't even go there. I was just like, I get to be home. I get to be home. Hallelujah. And and I was using it as to get th things done, to spend more time with God, spend more time with Dave. And I, I, I'm not, cook. I cook, oh my gosh. Uh, you get me in the kitchen. I, I just I have to get in the kitchen to, to make something, and and um, so and so Dave's excited, but I I'm I feel like I'm on vacation, but I feel like I'm on a paid vacation, which is funny because I'm not maybe necessarily getting the paycheck I I would have been you know working um, b before the quarantine, but we are at a place where we're trusting God and we're not seeing like the 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 curse ban and blessment. We're not seeing. All the, the bad happening, we're seeing, oh my gosh, the church coming together. Oh my gosh, look at what God's doing. You know, he's, he's blessing us. You know, we got food in our, our, our cupboards. You know, we, it, it's just. Um, yeah, I think it dropped it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we lost our connection again. 
timeline. So uh, go ahead and type something about that okay. we did last week. So, well, I think it's just you, Nancy. You doing okay? Always know it, it tells us how many people viewed uh, at, um, the, at the, at at the, the end, end. At the end, it will tell us. Um, so, nobody, so nobody else is on like I am. Not no, on you're the only phone. one on phone. Uh, so, you're the only one we can hear audibly. You want to go stop that? Oh, okay. You want okay. to go close the iPad? Okay. Yeah.